rising, good morning, good evening around the world, wherever you may be. So this is going to be a multi-part um, episode slash blackout. And the reason why I'm doing it on blackout is because, um, I don't know, I just am, you know. So I'm going to be discussing quite a few topics in this message going to be uh, discussing the end times, prophecies of Prophet Muhammad, biblical prophecies plus uh, Quranic prophecies, prophecies of Nostradamus, Russia in 2022, Lukashenko, Jerusalem, Saudi, Lebanon, Jordan, Qatar, Morocco, Armenia, Iran, China, Germany, astrological movements as connected to prophecy in the world, Georgia Guidestones, Al-Masi Al-Dajjal, also known as Al-Awar or Al-Makdi, Shadow and Bone, um, I'll be talking about that soon, the show on Netflix, okay, but not right now. So, the first thing I want to discuss is, um, Some of the prophecies of Muhammad and I was inspired to do this because of a documentary that I watched last night that I discussed a little bit on the message from yesterday. So those of you that were are not familiar with the prophecies of Muhammad. Okay. Now, some of the prophecies um, of Muhammad were more uh, focused amongst the Arab nations, and others were worldwide prophecies or global. Okay. So I'm going to be reading a little bit from this source, and it is called The Prophecies of Muhammad by Imam Mufti, published on 17th of July, 2006. Okay, so that's uh, 15 years ago, almost to the date. One, it says, one of the ways in which a person proves his prophethood is honesty, whether it be in regards to incidents in the past, in their everyday life, or things to come in the future. In addition to the Quran... There are many sayings of Prophet Muhammad which contain prophecies made in his lifetime dealing with near and distant future. Some of them have come true, others await fulfillment. Hud Haifa, a disciple of Prophet Muhammad, tells us, quote, The Prophet once delivered a speech in front of us wherein he mentioned everything, all of the signs that would happen till the final hour without leaving anything. Some of us remembered it and some forgot it. After that speech, I used to see events taking place which were referred to in that speech, but I had forgotten them before their occurrence. Then I would recognize such events as a man recognizes another man who has been absent and then sees and recognizes him, end quote. That is by Sahih al-Bukhari. So it says there are at least 160 known and confirmed prophecies of Prophet Muhammad, which were fulfilled in his lifetime and the first generation after him. We will mention some of them here. So all this is not a complete list. This is a partial list. So the first one, it says preceding the battle of Badr, B-A-D-R, the first indecisive confrontation with pagan Meccans 
In the second year of migration from Mecca in 623 BCE, Prophet Muhammad foretold the precise spot every pagan Meccan soldier would fall. These, those who witnessed the battle saw the prophecy come true with their own eyes. The second one, Prophet Muhammad, prophesied the Battle of the Confederates, also known as Al-Aqzab, would be the last invasion of the tribe of Quraysh, or the, known as the pagan the excuse me, pagan Meccans, would launch against the Muslims. It was fought in the fifth year of migration, which was 626 CE, and was the last military conflict between the two sides. All Meccans embraced Islam after a few years, so all the pagans were converted after a few years after this battle. Three, the prophet informed his daughter, daughter Fatima that she would be the first member of his family to die after him. There are two prophecies in one. It said that Fatima would outlive her father and that Fatima would be the first member of his household to die after him. Both of those were fulfilled. The fourth one, the prophet Muhammad prophesied Jerusalem would be conquered after his death. The prophecy was fulfilled when, according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, quote, in 638, the Muslim caliph, Umar I, entered Jerusalem, end quote. Number five, the prophet Muhammad prophesied, was saying prophesized, the conquest of Persia. It was conquered by Umar's commander, who was Sa'ad ibn Abi Vakas. In the words of Encyclopedia Britannica, quote, it says, Raids into Sasanian territory were quickly taken up by Muhammad's caliphs or deputies at Medina, Abu Bakr, or Abu Bakr, and Umar ibn al-Khattab. An Arab victory at al-Qadisiyah or Khadijah, also romanticized would be Khadijah, al-Khadijah, in 636-637 was followed by the sack of the Sasanian winter capital in Tesaphon on the Tigris, meaning the Tigris River. The Battle of Nahavand in 642 completed the Sassanids' vanquishment. So they were gotten rid of at the Battle of Nahavand in 642. This is in quote according to the Encyclopedia Britannica. The Prophet Muhammad pro prophesied the conquest of Egypt. In the words of Encyclopedia Britannica, quote, Amir undertook the invasion in 639 with a small army of some 4,000 men that were later reinforced or added to. With what seems astonishing speed, the Byzantine or Byzantine, some people say Byzantine, you know, we're talking about Byzantium, some people say Byzantium or Byzantine. The Byzantine forces were routed and had withdrawn from Egypt by 642. Various explanations have been given for the speed in which this conquest was actually achieved, end quote. Number seven, the prophet Muhammad foretold the confrontation with the Turks. The first conflict took place in the Caliphate of Umar in 22 AH. Number eight, the prophet foretold the first maritime battle to be undertaken by Muslims will be witnessed by Umm Haram, who was the first woman to participate in a naval, in a naval expedition. He also prophesied the first assault on Constantinople, which is modern day Israel, not Israel, modern day Istanbul, Turkey. Okay, I'm adding words here. It's not necessarily written. The first maritime battle in Muslim history was in 28 AH in the rule of Mu'akbiya. Okay, it was witnessed by Umm Haram as foretold by Prophet Muhammad and Yazid ibn Mu'akbiya led the first attack 
on Constantinople, also known as Istanbul, Turkey, in 52 AH. Number nine, the prophecy that Rome, Persia, and Yemen will be conquered was made during the Battle of the Confederates in 626 CE under extreme circumstances as described by the Quran. Quote, remember when they came at you from above you and from below you and when eyes shifted in fear and her hearts reached out, excuse me, and hearts reached the throats and you assumed about God various assumptions. There the believers were tested and shaken with a severe shaking. And remember when the hypocrites and those in whose hearts is disease said, God and his messenger did not promise us except delusion, end quote. Quran 33 verses 10 through 12. Number 10, Prophet Muhammad prophesied an imposter claiming to speak in the name of God would be killed at the hands of a righteous man in Muhammad's lifetime. Al-Assad al-Ansi, excuse me, al-Aswad al-Ansi, an imposter prophet in Yemen, was killed by the pro in the prophet's lifetime by Fadrus al-Dalami. There are at least an additional 28 prophecies pertaining to the end times which are awaiting fulfillment. These well-documented prophecies are clear proofs of the prophethood of Muhammad. May the mercy and blessings of Allah or God be upon him. There is no possible way that the prophet could have knowledge of these events except if it were inspired by God himself. All in order to prove the authenticity of the Muhammad that he was not an imposter but rather a prophet raised by God to deliver humanity from hellfire. Okay. So there are actually hundreds of prophecies um, by Prophet Muhammad. And the reason why um, I am um, discussing this is not only just because of the documentary I saw, but because of the um, Israeli-Palestinian conflict that's been going on recently. But also, this is Malcolm X's energy coming through here because his birthday was, what, on the 17th of May? Was it 17th or was that the date he passed? Because I know he was an Aries or a Taurus. May 19th, yeah, May 19th was his birthday, not 17th, May 19th, yeah, so he was a Taurus. All right, he has a lot of Aries energy though. So these are some of the minor prophecies of Prophet Muhammad. Time will pass by quickly. Remember, I was discussing with y'all recently that time was speeding up last year. And a lot of people noticed that. Even regular people that are not involved in the spiritual community noticed it. It says, the prophet said, quote, the hour will not come. Now, the hour is the end. The final hour, the hour, the end, okay? Will not come until time passes so quickly that a year will be like a month. A month will be like a week. A week will be like a day, and a day like an hour, and an hour like the time it takes for a palm leaf to burn, end quote. We sometimes remark that we reached 2018 or 2019, but where did the previous year go? I'm reading something that is written here. It said it went by so fast that we couldn't even tell. Now we're almost, this was written earlier, of course, in mid-2019, so we're in 2021 now. This is two years old. So it says the above tradition is very clear as we experience this in our daily routine and ask ourselves at the end of each day, each week, each month, and each year, how fast they went by. All right. So it also talks about the, the second one that is a minor prophecy, but very important says slave mother will give birth to her mistress and skyscrapers. So this is Islam. 
This was uh, in the documentary that I watched. A prophet, it says, a man asked the prophet, quote, tell me about the hour or the final hour. He said, quote, so this is what the prophet responded. The one who is asked about it does not know more about it than the one who is asking, end quote. He said, quote, then tell me about his signs. And the prophet said, when a slave woman gives birth to her mistress, when you see the barefoot, naked, destitute shepherds competing in making tall buildings, end quote. So he's talking about the Bedouin tribes. This was explained in the documentary I watched. He's talking about the Bedouin tribes and how Dubai was a barren desert and now hosts the Burj Khalifa, which is the tallest building in the world. But there is competition from neighboring Saudi Arabia, okay, because Dubai is UAE, United Arab Emirates. But neighboring Saudi Arabia is about to surpass the Burj Khalifa. Because they're building the Jeddah Tower, which is going to then be the tallest in the world. So these are Bedouin tribes. That's why it's saying barefoot, naked, destitute shepherds competing and making tall buildings. These are the Bedouin tribes that lived in tents in the desert that were nomadic, okay, that a lot of people are descended from. There's some kind of uh, Bedouin aspect in my lineage. I'm not sure exactly what, but it's tied to the Egyptian and, 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 uh, judah and canaan in those areas all right syria even but that's what's going on now so it talks and, it, and explains this hadith it says these words are taken from the famous hadith e jibril or hadith e jibril and this man who was in who was asking prophet muhammad was named jibril also alai salam alaihi salam his inquiries and the answers given by the prophet was to teach those around him some important lessons about their faith. One of the major lessons that was learned by these two signs of the approach of the last hour, the final hour, or the end times was the prophet Muhammad informed people about the two signs in the above hadith. The first one was related to surrogacy or, you know, a woman who gives birth for another woman. And it says when a slave woman gives birth to her mistress before that can be understood, this prediction relates to the surrogacy. How, or by, how, before we can understand how this prediction relates to the surrogacy, we need to realize that surrogacy is usually accepted as a practice in those nations or in uh, people within a nation that are living under financial duress. Okay, due to their financial situation, they may be a they may be forced to adopt a life that make them vulnerable for exploitation, such as the poor women of many parts of India, Philippines, and some countries in Africa, such as Nigeria. They are willing to rent their wombs for couples, mainly from Western Europe or rich nations who wish to have a child, but for various reasons are unable to have the child themselves or their wives do not wish to bear the child. These people are then looking for poor mothers from other developing countries who may wish to carry an embryo for a large sum of money. Please note that there are several middlemen involved in this process who take a major portion of this amount of money and will only give a meager share to the poor lady whose womb and body is used in this process. Therefore, at the end of this process, the poor lady still remains poor and everyone else benefits heavily from her. As per some scholars of Islam, 
and not all, the interpretation of this sign is a poor mother living in slavery conditions whom we can refer to as a quote-unquote slave mother who gives birth to a child who is actually considered a master or a mistress as the child will now belong to the upper class of the society, i.e. be taken back to the rich nations with the couple. Thus, this prediction is happening right before our eyes. One can find many good documentaries on YouTube, like one called Wounds for Rent, Indian Surrogacy Clinic, Confines Women, etc., However, at this point, it's also important to mention that before the final situation of the modern world, the majority of Islamic scholars throughout the history have interpreted this hadith of the Prophet Muhammad to mean that, quote, the children will become master and mistress of their mothers and parents and would treat them like slaves are treated, end quote, which is also very evident as the respect of parents has been lost in our age with the new generation being more greedy. Or materialistic this can also be confirmed due to the fact that the prophet muhammad prophesied quote a man obeys his wife and disobeys his mother he is kind to his friend and abandons his father end quote this is a sign that rather than children taking care and being respectful to their parents they will be abandoned in old homes or nursing homes or adult care homes which is a common trend especially in the modern western societies and unfortunately, this has also started taking place in the East, albeit not as great as in the West. Now, I'm going to add my note in here. This ties to the Bible verse. Let me uh, get that for you. Because I was just talking about this. Um, yesterday with someone. So it says in the Bible, it says in the end times... Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rise against their parents and have them put to death. This is the, the book of Luke, chapter 12, verse 53. It says, they will be divided. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Okay? Uh, and this is tied to, and in this context, it's talking about how Yeshua said, I do not bring peace, I bring a sword. And so it continues. That's verse 53, Luke chapter 12, verse 53 and 54 says, Then Jesus said to the crowds, As soon as you see a cloud rising in the west, you will say a shower is coming. And that is what happens It, okay, so it says when you say this, when you see this cloud rising in the west, you say a shower is coming, and that is what happens. And when the south wind blows, you will say it will be hot. So it's going to rain, and it does. Okay, so when you see this happening, Jesus was saying, when you see this happening, know that a storm is coming. In other words, okay, go read Luke chapter twelve, fifty three and fifty four, and then continue on down through like 55 56 and so on because the saying you know when you know when storms are coming you can recognize that the clouds are on the horizon you know okay rain coming okay so when you see brother against brother father against son son against father daughter against mother etc this will be a sign of the end okay so this is tied um lockstep with the prophecy of muhammad okay so let me go back to that so, another prophecy. Now, let me go back and tell you the author of this. 
because it's uh the author of this blog is excuse me riskonkareem.com most excellent sustenance and uh it's called end times prophecies minor signs dated august 26 2019 uh, actually, it's the author is Zaid Shah. Okay, I'm not going to link all of these because I'm going to be going through a lot of different pages. Um, if you want any of the links, just hit me up in email or my DM. Email is most quickly responded to. Hit me up in my email, and I will uh, give you the link. Okay, if you want to just just say, uh, can I get that um, Muhammad Muhammad Minor Signs Prophecy link or astrology link or whatever? I'm going to go over here. Y'all know they only give us a little bit of room in the description boxes. Okay, so three. The, another minor prophecy was modern technology and the communication system. And I'm um, going to tie this into with modern times, okay? Pardon me. Prophet Muhammad said, quote, By the one in whose hand is my soul, the hour or the final times will not be established until predators speak to people. And until the tip of a man's whip and the straps on his sandal or his shoes speak to him and his thigh informs him of what occurred with his family after him, end quote. This is talking in about talking about cell phones and GPS. It says this prediction is as bright as a daylight for our generation as we notice voice assistance systems such as Siri, Cortana, GPS, Google Assistant. And softwares that speak through our mobile phones and devices and help navigate when driving and provide us online info without us even having to type. The shoes speaking to one is what has become a reality after Google came out with smart shoes, also known as Google talking shoes. Amazingly, the prophet did not just mention shoe speaking. He also mentioned the shoe laces and the chip that communicates being connected to these shoelaces as for part of the hadith that mentions quote man's thigh informing him of what is happening to his family after him meaning that when a man leaves his home he now has access to know what is going on behind him that thigh is obviously a pocket i'm adding that here the thigh is obviously what we call a cellular phone device that keeps you informed and with new advancements such as whatsapp and skype you may even see your family while talking when you are away from home. Do not forget that we usually carry the mobile in our front pockets next to our thighs. And that is what he most likely meant by thigh informing in his prophecy. So number four, skyscrapers in the Middle East, which I've already briefly mentioned, but I'm going to um, go into here a little more. It says the prophet Muhammad said, the naked, quote, the naked, poor, and barefoot shepherds rival each other in the height of the buildings, end quote. The skyscrapers in the GCC states is a fulfillment of this prophecy. For instance, the world's tallest building is called the Burj Khalifa in the United Arab Emirates, or UAE. Till a few decades ago, the lands of the GCC countries were barren until the discovery of oil, which resulted in their gaining wealth to such an extent that instead of utilizing for humanitarian purposes, they've just become very extravagant in their spending. They have utilized their wealth mainly towards expensive construction projects, including skyscrapers. And I'm going to add in here fancy hotels and resorts and things, things that kind of mimic uh, Western society. Uh, you know, there's areas in the Middle East now and these nations that look like Las Vegas and New York and London. They have a lot of the um, the uh, energies of the West. OK, 
we know West is capitalistic to the extreme and consumerist to the extreme. Okay, so it says they've utilized their wealth mainly towards expensive construction projects, including skyscrapers in competition with each other and other countries across the globe. And I'm going to add some of these other countries include Malaysia and Singapore, as well as Tokyo, Hong Kong, too. It is also a fact that the royal families of these rulers are actually Bedouins from the time of the prophet whose main profession was herding camels. It's quite evident if one travels to modern capitals of Riyadh, which is Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and Dubai, UAE, that even their apartment buildings have at least 30 floors or more. So they ain't playing, baby. In other words, they ain't playing. Now, let me add this here. Before I go into this, because I'm, I'm picking this energy up and I have to mention this. They're telling me to mention this. Okay. So pardon me for the pause. I got to pause every now and then and take a sip of water and, you know, <clears throat> clear my throat. So one of the things that I want to talk about before I go forward in the other minor prophecies, which are really major prophecies, right? I don't know. I know they say major and minor, but some of these are just, just so global and so widespread. Like these skyscrapers, like everybody in the world pretty much knows about the Burj Khalifa. Like it's just not, it's not a fucking game. It's not a game. And everybody's becoming aware of the Jeddah Tower that's going to surpass the Burj Khalifa, okay? So, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, um, okay, should I insert this here? One of the things I want to say is, even though <clears throat> these are Bedouin tribes that have become very, very rich and that have modernized their societies and built literally from the ground up, we need to keep in mind the intermingling of culture, nation, tribe, and city-state peoples in that region, okay? What do I mean by that? A lot of the Saudi, the Saudi royal family, and they may try to censor me for this, but I'm going to try to be strategic with how I say it and talk in code. The Saudi royal family and the, and the so-called leader families of other nations like Jordan, Qatar, and others in the region, Syria, uh, you know, uh, Bashir, Bashir al-Assad, um, a lot of them, okay, I'm going to tell you straight like it is. A lot of them are part Jewish. They don't tell you that. Okay, you wonder how they got so much money and power? They not pure Arab. Now, what is a pure Arab? One might say, but I'm telling you, a lot of them are part Jewish anyway. So when people think about the end times prophecy of revelations and, you know, uh, biblical eschatology or biblical end times prophecy studies, and they question, well, how in the world are they going to move the Al-Aqsa Mosque off of the Temple Mount in order to build a third temple when all the, the all of Judaica says it's guaranteed it's going to happen? How the fuck do you think it's going to happen? It's going to happen because these people are part Judaica. So they're going to yield. Remember, Isaac and Ishmael came from the same patriarch. We're going to get to that later. Continuing with the, the other minor prophecy, it talks about legalization of gay marriage. Now, I don't have any problem with uh lgbt uh people or any of that i'm just reading what it says here so you know this if it has a 
conservative Islamic spin on it is because it's an is in it is an Islamic website. Okay, it's not my words. So it says this is just telling you what the prophet said, and they're uh, they're doing their own summary. This was not written by me. It says the prophet said, "quote When men lie with men and women with women, and when men will become like women and women will become like men." So this is you know uh, transgender. Okay, this is uh, your Bruce Jenner's and other transgender people. So this is okay, Alabidaya Val Al Nihaya. And I don't speak Arabic in this consciously, but I do my best with the pronunciation. I can understand some of it, but I do my best with the pronunciation as a, as a Southern American. As per leading scholars of Islam, this actually pertains to the arrival of legalized marriage of gay couples around the world and its acceptance on a global scale, which is taking place only thus now in the 21st century. It's not talking about homosexuality. This is specifically about gay marriage and um uh, sexual reassignment surgeries and things like that and hormone replacement therapies and the transgender um, uh, the transition of someone who wants to become transgender it's not talking about homosexuality at its core because that was existing long before the prophet Muhammad prophesied this okay so it's talking about how the number of countries accepting gay marriage can be noticed by even just viewing a Pew Research Center report called gay marriage around the world this report clearly shows an increase in the number of countries worldwide that have begun to legalize same-sex marriages as far as excuse me as for women will become like men being a part of his prophecy this is a sign taking place in our times while it was absent in the history of humankind due to the fact that the natural role of man and woman is to so-called act and live according to their god-given nature again this is not my word so don't shoot the messenger please but the feminist revolution claims women can do everything that man does and therefore there is no reason for them to act like women anymore and they believe and teach that they are just like men. This has caused much confusion in the godly inspired role of men and women as taught by all the prophets of God which maintains the family structure and keeps it intact. This sign has resulted in the collapse of the family structure. Now they're talking about all the prophets of God. That's a little bit, that's a little bit much because all the prophets don't believe like prophet Muhammad believed and not all of the prophets are islamic and not all of the prophets are not all of the prophets of god are under patriarchal religion because i know and have experienced some hindu prophets some buddhist prophets okay some prophets from baha'i faith come on now this is of course this person's religious conservative spin but i just wanted to say it anyway you know for for the faith for the uh, sake of including this minor prophecy because minor but major because many many people know about this prophecy so i didn't want to skip over it you know and offend anybody and it's and it's important so number seven another prophecy that was very significant was that uh prophet muhammad predicted quote there will come a time when you will not be able to find a single person in all of humankind who will not be consuming riba, which is R-I-B-A. Riba is usury or interest. That's why, you know, in the last couple of years, if you pay attention to this financial sector in the West and in many, well, I'll say mainly in the West in America, uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the SEC, and other 
even the Department of Justice have been cracking down on loan sharks, usury. Uh, they've been uh, remolding usury laws. A lot of the companies that were getting away with high interest have been having to pay out millions and some, some of them close to billions of dollars in fines. So it says, there will be a time when you will not be able to find a single person in all of humanity who will not be consuming reba or paying usury or interest. And if anyone claims that he is not consuming reba or usury, then surely the vapor of reba will reach him, end quote. So they're saying, if somebody says, I don't pay interest on nothing, surely the vapor of things being inflated will reach him. So this is inflation. This is paying uh, high interest. You know, we can look at the uh, car market right now. New cars are very expensive because they're claiming that the pandemic, uh, you know, they, they basically used the pandemic to mark up prices. And what they did was they said that a lot of people weren't buying as much. So they had cars sitting on a lot. So we're just going to jack the prices up because when things open up, people are going to buy again and we're going to take advantage of them and, and, and have our prices up. But they're also marking the prices up because of the push towards electric and sustainable clean energy vehicles. So they're also marking the prices up for that reason. But it's basically uh, a big racket by car salesmen and automakers to get as much money as they can since the whole so-called pandemic occurred. Okay, so it says. One has to be blind to not notice this prediction happening. The time has come. The global economic system is based on a banking system which deals in money lending or credit. This originated from Europe. We know about the Rothschilds and, you know, the Federal Reserve and Israel and all that. If you've done any of your research, you know how this shit go. And today it has engulfed all of humankind. This system has resulted in great economic disparity around the globe. Even the people who do not directly deal in any sort of interest-based transactions, such as purchasing homes and cars on loan, are not immune to this. Such people are also indirectly impacted by the interest and the usury because they keep their money in the bank, in the banking system, in bank accounts, which means that your cash is also a part of the capitalist economy, okay, and also affected by the system because depending on how the markets go will depend on how much interest you get on your checking, your savings, your money market, etc. So another prophecy is that women will work like men. The prophet said, quote, ahead of the hour, trade will become so widespread that a woman will help her husband in trade and ties of kinship will be severed, end quote. This is very true in our times. It says, traditionally, it's always been a man's role to be the breadwinner of the house. But due to financial strains of the capitalist economy around the, the globe, the women have entered the workforce in large numbers and now work outside the home like men have always done. This is especially the case in countries like Bangladesh, India, Vietnam, the Philippines, and Cambodia, similar countries where females are now constituting a majority of the workforce in garment or clothing manufacturing plants of like companies like H&M, Nike, Gap, Puma, etc. In Cambodia, women actually make up 90% of the country's more than 700,000 garment or clothing workers in over 1,200 different garment businesses, according to the Ministry of Industry and Handicraft. 
they work on extremely low wages like one dollar a day or even less than that and this causes them to work overtime due to being underpaid this has also impacted family structure unlike the past where the mother's major focus was her home and she was always there for her children and it is such societies where lower status women have resorted to become surrogate mothers for wealthy couples as discussed in the first hadith slave mother will give birth to her mistress end quote okay so they're having they're going out working for slave wages and the family structure is collapsing that's why i'm saying the ties of kinship will be severed pardon me this is also tied to the scripture i just read from the book of luke chapter 12 verse 53 and 54 uh mother against father father against mother daughter against mother-in-law mother-in-law against daughter-in-law etc so it says number nine says voices will be raised in mosques the prophet muhammad said voices are raised in the masaji which is the moss, end quote. With modern technology and the introduction of loudspeakers, this has caused the prediction to come true in the 20th century. But some scholars say this refers to disputes and arguments in mosques that will happen due to divisions amongst Muslims, which is quite prevalent and also seems to be correct. So 10, the markets will become closer. Abu Harira, or Abu Harira, narrated that the prophet muhammad said quote the hour will not begin until trials and tribulations appear there is a great deal of lying and the markets will become closer end quote it says a leading saudi scholar named dr muhammad excuse me dr muhammad ibn abda al rahman al arifi comments on this hadith quote the markets have come close in the following ways the ability to quickly get info on the markets through online access which has cut our efforts to physically travel and reach there the ability to travel from market to market for trade and business through medium of modern transportation like airplanes cars and trains has cut the distance short there is no doubt that with internet access and television channels one can access information on whatever markets one wants to know about nevertheless the words of this hadith also imply that there will be much lying and manipulation of the forces who control these markets which is also very clear to see the corporate elite controls our access to things in the market and even influence us by deceiving through marketing tactics end quote all right and that was a quote by al arifi from 2010 now i told you that that's what i was told to pull out of the market i was told to pull out of the stock market um in 2019 Okay, and we've seen a lot of uh, tumultuous things go on with the stocks. Um, that's a good old racket. I'll just leave it at that. That's a good old racket, just like crypto. Now, it says obesity will become widespread. The prophet Muhammad said obesity will become widespread. It said this is true as the world's statistics say that one-sixth of the world's population is now obese. And this is mainly due to the lack of physical exercise that was formerly a part of people's lives in the past. Unlike in our times, there is a big lack of physical activities due to sedentary or jobs that sit. Jobs that have you sitting, that's why they have us doing work from home now. Oh, it's about to get real. You're about to see a lot of people have diabetes, hypertension, and so on and so forth. They got people working from home now. You ain't even got to go get in your car and drive no more. And burn calories driving and cutting through traffic. Now you can just get up, 
put on your blazer and your button-down shirt over your pajama pants and sit at the computer and have your snacks, your mini fridge next to you in your office, and your coffee with all that sugar and creamer in it. I'm guilty, baby, because I got coffee with sugar and creamer in it right here. Okay, and and you just sit there and you work. They oh oh trust me, there's an agenda. <laughs> so it says. Of course, people also worked, you know, more physical jobs in the past. So it says there's, um, there was a time where people lost, you know, people lose weight by going to the gym these days. And the gym phenomena never really existed heavily before. If you go to any pharmacy section anywhere in the world, you will see all kinds of med medicines available for people to lose weight. So number 12, it says the coming of a time when man will be given a choice of being labeled incompetent or committing immorality. It says Abu Harira narrated that the prophet Muhammad said, quote, there will come a time when a man will be given choice between being labeled either incompetent or committing immorality. Whoever lives until that time should choose choosing competence over immorality, end quote. It says this is a very clear sign. That is observed especially in schools, universities, and modern educational institutions, and whoever has experienced this would agree. If a student keeps to himself or herself, they are considered weak, and they are peer pressured to commit some immoral or vulgar acts so that they are more accepted in the mainstream. This sort of drama happens a lot when the dorm lifestyles of the Western in the dorm lifestyles of the Western universities. So again, one should be uh, rather, they're saying, one should be rather labeled incompetent than immoral. Number 13, it says, Tabuk will be filled with gardens and greenery. Now, Tabuk is a city in the northern part of present-day Saudi Arabia, which was always very dry, and it has never really had an, never had an agricultural activity until modern times. So, Muwada bin Jabal narrated that the Prophet Muhammad said, quote, If you live long enough, Muad, you will see this place filled with gardens, end quote. So it says, in our times, there are big agricultural projects at work in that land that was that has caused the entire area to become green and lush with, the, with crops and farmlands. Okay. The Tabuk Development Agriculture Company is specifically working on agriculture projects and is primarily responsible for all agribusiness development in this area. An article published in an Egyptian journal shares data collected using the satellite imagery, which assesses the potential of the surrounding barren land to see how agriculture development can be expanded further. Now, those of you that know ancient history and anthropology know that the Sahara Desert was very green at one time. Okay. So not only is this going on in Saudi Arabia, this is going on in Egypt and other regions as well. And they are saying that... So there was something going around about the desert taking back the cities, but I don't know if that's totally going to happen, okay, with the desert overtaking the cities because they seem to be overtaking the desert because they're inventing new uh, irrigation systems, aqueduct systems, and ways to make things fertile again, even in a barren, dry area. Okay, so I wanted to share those with you all. Now, when it comes to uh, the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem and the Third Temple, uh, for those of you that are not familiar with the prophecy of the Third Temple, let me tell you about that. And then I'll tell you what I have to say about this. 
So now the second temple that was built by King Solomon was, uh, and I'm just telling you this because I know my own history. Um, okay, I can't use this site because they're talking about allowing ads. Um, let me go back. Just one moment. Okay, so the third temple prophecy. It says the third temple was prophesied in the book of Ezekiel and in Revelations chapter 11 where God gives the measurements. So in order for there to be a third temple, there should be a first and a second temple. So the first temple uh, was built uh, in 957 BC. So I had these backwards. So I was saying the second temple was by King Solomon. The first temple actually was by King Solomon. In 957 BC, according to 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 9, the temple replaced the tabernacle that had been constructed in the Sinai Desert under the auspices of Moses when Moses was there with the Ten Commandments and all of that, uh, as well as local sanctuaries and altars in the hills. The first temple was totally destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 BC when the Babylonians came down for Israel's 70-year captivity as prophesied by the prophet Jeremiah. Now, the second temple, the construction of the second temple was authorized by Cyrus, the king of Persia, in 537 BC. Uh, you can look into the 70 years of Daniel, that prophecy, after the fall of the Babylon Empire, the year before the Medes and the Persian Empire. Okay. Now, according to 2 Chronicles, chapter 36, verses 23, 22 through 23, 36, <coughs> Paul. So, pardon me for that. My throat was acting up because of the incense in here, but also probably some throat chakra interference. So, according to 2 Chronicles 36, chapter 22 through 23, it says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished. The Lord stirred up the spirit of the Cyrus, excuse me, the stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing saying, thus Cyrus, king of Persia says that all the kingdoms of the earth has the Lord God of heaven given me and he has charged me to build him an house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? The Lord, his God, be with him and let him go up. So you can also see this uh, declaration. You can also see this declaration in the book of Ezra, chapter 2 uh, through chapter 4. And in chapter 5, book of Ezra, chapter 5, verse 13. So you can also see Nebuchadnezzar's dream of a golden image and Daniel's dream of the beasts, okay? When Alexander the Great rose up after he overthrew the Medes, remember we were just talking about Constantinople, okay, and Istanbul, which Alexander the Great did go through, okay? So when Alexander the Great rose up after he overthrew the Medes in the Persian Empire in 330 BC, you need to look at the Greece-Persia War Prophecy. The temple miraculously avoided being destroyed by Alexander the Great. In 332, or around when Alexander was busy waxing great, when he was doing the most, in other words, in the book of Daniel, chapter 8, verse 8, as a reference point, when he was conquering the world, you know, he was wild for the night, you know. You know, he was turned. He came to conquer Jerusalem. He had met uh, Jadua, the high priest in Jerusalem that time outside the city. And Jadua showed Alexander Daniel chapter 8 that was written 200 years before 
and how he, Alexander, was actually mentioned in Daniel 200 years before he ever got there. Alexander was touched and blown away. He could not believe how he was prophesied about 200 years before his time, and this made him spare Jerusalem. He knew it had to be an omen, special omen. The reason Jerusalem, Jerusalem was not conquered by Alexander was because of this, and that's why the second temple was spared, okay? You can also look into this in the history of the Greece-Persian War or the Greece-Persian War prophecy as said before. The second, temple the second temple was later destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD, like I was saying before, when they came down uh, to annihilate Israel and Israel ceased to be a sovereign nation, okay? This was after the Roman Empire, which was the brutal empire of iron, as seen in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, meaning King Nebuchadnezzar from the Bible. And as related to the fourth beast in Daniel's dream, that had overthrown Greece that was led by Alexander the Great. The destruction of the second temple was spoken by Jesus. It says in the book of Mark, chapter 13, verse 1 through 2, it says, And as he went out of the temple, one of his disciples said unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answering said unto him, See these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. In other words, they're going to raise it to the ground, okay? Now, here is where the third temple prophecy comes in, which is futuristic, but not too far in the future. It says, the prophecy of a rebuilt third temple and its measurements is found in the book of Ezekiel and the book of Revelations chapter 11. In Ezekiel, God gives the entire measurements in detail. Revelations was written by the Apostle John, and it reveals specific prophecy about the outer court. The Apostle John was given a measuring read in order to measure the temple. According to Revelations chapter 11, verse 1, it says, And there was given me a reed like unto a rod, so a reed like a rod. And the angel stood there saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. So in other words, the angel said, measure the temple. So do the outer perimeter, measure the altar or the holy of holies, and then measure them that worship therein. So measure the sanctuary or the area where people will congregate and come in the uh, vestibule, if you will. Um, and so Apostle John does not give us the measurements, but earlier on, God revealed them to prophet Ezekiel. Okay. The revelations chapter 11, verse two verses, but the court, which is outside the temple, leave this out. So see, like I said, I'm adding my own words in here. The angel said, measure the temple, the altar and the vestibule or the inner part, the people where the people will be inside therein, but don't measure the court outside. Starting in verse 2, it says, But the court outside the temple, leave that out. Don't measure it. For it is given unto the Gentiles. So the Gentiles will be out there. And the holy city shall they tread underfoot 40 days and two months. That's a siege upon the city. I'm telling you that now. I hadn't even got to it. The entire temple compound was considered holy, but it became increasingly more holy as one entered going in from east to west. The holy of holies. 
King Herod had enclosed the outer court with colonnades and it was referred to as the court of the Gentiles because the quote unquote Gentiles or the non-Jews were permitted to enter the temple area. They could walk within it, but they were forbidden to go any further than the outer court. They were excluded from entering into any of the inner courts as warning signs. Excuse me. They were excluded from entering into any of the inner courts and warning signs in Greek and Latin were placed that gave warning that the penalty for trespassing in the inner courts was death. One thing affecting the building of the third temple in the Temple Mount is the Muslims. They claim that their holy place is where the temple seats, also known as the Dome of the Rock. For the third temple to be rebuilt, there must be a mediation between Jews and Muslims for the Muslims to allow Jews to build this temple. If today Jews start building the temple, that equals a war. It is for this reason that the, the Antichrist will rise first with a peace treaty between Israel and Muslims, allowing the temple to be build, built peacefully. I did not read this, but I told you the Saudi royal family and those powerful nations, their leaders are already half Jewish. They just don't like to tell you that. That's why Bashir al-Assad looks half white. Go look at Bashir al-Assad, the leader of Syria. Go look at him. Look at the Euro aspect of his face. Hmm. Gentiles are given 42 months to tread the outer court. Okay, 42 months are the first three and a half years of the Great Tribulation period. The Great Tribulation period will be exactly seven years. You can look into the prophecy, the 70 years of Daniel's for Daniel for this. It is in the first three and a half years when the Antichrist will be a man of peace before being injured and then miraculously being healed, turning to the beast that he is, according to the book of Revelations 13 and 3. And notice it's 13 and 3. 13 for rebellion and 3 for communication. The rebellious speaker, the rebellious two-faced Gemini, because they said the Antichrist, Al-Mahdi, also known as Dajjal, Al-Avar, Al -Avar, is going to have one eye open and one eye closed, the fucking Gemini. Gemini. Give me one eye. <laughs> Gemini, give me one eye. Look at how that's spelled. G M G me M I one I. Gemini. This man is probably gonna be a fucking Gemini. And my guy said he is. Okay. Ezekiel's prophecy of a rebuilt third temple comes after Gog and Magog War. See Gog and Magog War. It is after the Gog and Magog War that the third temple will be built. Whew. The world cannot sign a peace treaty unless there's a war. And that is one purpose of the war for the Middle East to sign a peace treaty that allows Jews to build a temple. The Gog and Magog War is an important war that marks prophetic timing. When the third uh, temple will be seen on earth, the earth will have entered a great tribulation period. It is in the third temple where the Antichrist will carry out the abomination of desolation. Also referred to in Matthew chapter 24 verse 15 as it's carried out by the Antichrist prototype Antiochus Epiphanes. And if you want, you can research Antiochus Epiphanes, okay? So, this little fake-ass peace treaty between Israel and Palestine, that shit ain't gonna last. You hearing it here first. When they get busy next spring... When they get busy fighting and tearing it up next spring, you're going to remember, most of y'all are going to remember that I told you a year in advance that they were going to do that. 
Okay. Also, let me get into this right. All right. This is a lot, so I'm going to cover this in another part, okay? I'm going to cover the prophecies of Nostradamus in another in another upload because it's just too much. It's just too much material. It's just so much like and uh Nostradamus's quatrains are very long. They're very in-depth. They're very deep. They're very they take you a lot of different places mentally and spiritually. So I'm just going to give Nostradamus' own upload. So I'm going to make a note here in my notebook uh, that we'll just, prophecies of Nostradamus will be separate. Okay. All right. Because I have a lot to say about those. Okay. Those will be separate. And so, but I want to get into these uh, this year. Let me talk about Russia, Lukashenko, and Putin. <laughs> Keep in mind that what I'm going to tell you, you may not find any, um, you may not find anybody else saying this, okay? All right. Putin and Lukashenko uh, have been very uh, chummy recently, and I'm, I'm very suspicious of that, okay? And so Lukashenko uh, is the leader of Belarus. We remember not long ago, there was a lot of protesting and rioting going on in Belarus because of Lukashenko's foolishness, allegedly, his alleged foolishness with that motherfucking election, okay? People was not happy with him, okay? Now, as of uh, two days ago or so, my time, uh, by the way, it's 10.52 a.m., uh, Sunday, May 30th, 2021, Eastern Standard Time, USA. So it says, Belarus's Lukashenko courts Putin amid international outrage over the hijacking of the jet. So now Lukashenko just got in trouble and came under fire for that election shit, right? And now he done hijacked the plane, allegedly, in a, in a roundabout way. So it says, it's hard to believe that the regime in Minsk, meaning Belarus, could do something like this without any kind of coordination with Russia, the head of NATO said. Now, let me say this. They are, um, let me read the article because this is by NBC News. And then I'm going to tell you uh, the, the uh, channeling that I'm getting about this. It says, May 28, 2021, 10.02 a.m. Eastern Standard Time by Petra Cahill, Matthew Bodner, and Tatiana Chitiskova. Belarus was courting its patron, uh, Russia, on Friday amid ongoing international outrage over the forced landing of a commercial flight in order to seize a Belarusian journalist. As the West moved to isolate the former Soviet bloc country, Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko, Alexander Lukashenko was set to meet Russian President Vladimir Putin in the Black Sea resort of Sochi. The Kremlin has championed Belarus since Lukashenko, who is often referred to as Europe's last dictator, <laughs> brazenly ordered authorities to divert the commercial Ryanair passenger plane in order to arrest the prominent dissident on board Sunday. Meanwhile, the head of NATO said it was hard to believe that Russia was not involved in Belarus's quote-unquote hijacking. Belarus's plane quote-unquote hijacking. Quote, we know the very close relationship between Russia and Belarus 
NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg told the British broadcaster Sky News, quote, therefore, it's hard to believe that the regime in Minsk, Belarus, could do something like this without any kind of coordination with Russia. Sky News is owned by Comcast, who is the parent company of NBC News. Geographically, Belarus sits in between Russia and Poland and Lithuania, which are two NATO states. So Poland and Lithuania are two NATO states, and it has long served as a buffer between Russia and the West. NATO is demanding the release of the journalist named Roman Protasevich and his girlfriend Sofia Sapega, who are being detained in Belarus. Protasevich was traveling aboard the Ryanair passenger plane from Greece to Lithuania, when a Soviet-era MiG-29 fighter jet was nearby and Belarusian authorities flagged what turned out to be a false bomb alert to force the aircraft to land. So they played, um, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. They they flagged the shit, talking about, oh, it's a bomb on board, made the plane land, excuse me, made the plane land and then arrested his ass. The, that is some bullshit. The, mo the move Sunday triggered a wave of international condemnation from the United States, the United Kingdom, Euro the European Union, NATO, and the United Nations. Stoltenberg's comments come as European Union leaders have been discussing a new round of economic sanctions against Belarus. Lukashenko has not backed down despite the pressure from European and U.S. officials. On Wednesday, he threatened to flood Western Europe with drugs and migrants, child, if sanctions was imposed on his country for the forced landing of the Ryanair flight. In other words, I'm going to call your bluff and I'm going to send a bunch of goddamn cocaine, you know, a bunch of goddamn guns and drugs and meth and shit and MDMA into your motherfucking cities, bitch. Don't try me and you know Russia going to help me do it. <laughs> that's some bullshit you know who lukashenko reminds me of motherfucking joseph stalin he he looked like joseph stalin too he looked like um look at joseph stalin and look at lukashenko and you tell me if those two don't look eerily similar see all them people be related all them royal people them high-ranking people be related says quote we put a stop to drugs and migrants now you can have them and catch them yourself <laughs> End quote. This is what Lukashenko said during a speech to parliament, according to Belarusian state media. He just don't give a damn. He didn't give a damn about that fucking election. He said, fuck that election. I'm going to stay in power, just like Putin said. Fuck a goddamn election. I ain't going nowhere, G. I ain't going nowhere. This is my shit, G. <laughs> the EU has already urged its airlines to avoid Belarus, okay, and has moved to close its own airspace two Belarusian carriers amid continued outrage over the incident. That move led to a dust-up with Moscow over international flights. Russia refused to allow two European airlines, one being Air France and one being Austrian Airlines, clearance to land planes on Wednesday and Thursday, which had flight paths that avoided Belarusian airspace. Belarusian airspace. Both flights were subsequently canceled. Russia's refusal to allow those flights to land then fueled speculation that Moscow was contemplating a ban on such flights so that they could support Belarus or Minsk. The Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov dismissed that notion during a press briefing Friday and chalked up Russia's denial of landing rights to some foreign airlines to just technical issues while aviation officials worked on approving new flight paths. 
So in other words, they like, oh, you want to fuck with our friend? You can't land over. You can't fly through here, baby. Can't land. Do you have any kind of idea what kind of damn power Russia has? Most people don't. Most people don't. Going on, it says, Russia did allow an Austrian airlines flight from Vienna to Moscow that bypassed Belarusian airspace so that it could land on Friday. NBC News confirmed with the company. Peskov also denied that Moscow had any involvement in Belarus's audacious move to ground the plane in order to capture this so-called dissident, which is the journalist Roman Protosevich. Quote, neither the Russian aviation authorities nor the Russian services and agencies have anything to do with what happened in Belarus with the Ryanair flight, quote, end quote, he said Friday. Quote, they have nothing to do with it. Mm. It says, the Kremlin spokesman, Dmitry Peskov, demurred when he was asked if Moscow was planning to do any sort of investigation into the controversial plane grounding after Poland and the International Civil Aviation Organization announced their own probes into it. Quote, he said, President Putin will have the opportunity today to get information about the incident from the original source, he replied, referring to his meeting with Lukashenko and Sochi. Okay, so let me tell you why this is going on. <sighs> Lukashenko looks like Stalin, and so, of course, Belarus and Russia have a tight relationship, right? Let me tell you why Putin is doing this. Putin going to stick it to the NATO countries that are surrounding Belarus. Okay. Putin is about to ally or has. He's already done it, but it's going to become mainstream news and you're not going to hear it. You'll probably start hearing about it in July. Okay, July. What Putin's planning on doing is he, and I'm just telling you channel information, right? I don't have, you know, I don't know these people. I'm just telling you what I am picking up. Putin plan on allying countries in a strategic offensive so that they will be on his side, quote unquote, on his side against NATO, which is therefore against the UK, Germany, and the West, the United States. Here are the countries where this is possible and this is going on. Belarus. Armenia. Yemen. Syria. Afghanistan. Pakistan. Turkey. Now, I know Turkey is supposed to be cool with the U.S., but let me tell you something about Turkey. Turkey is a flip-flopper. No disrespect to Turkish people. Turkey be on some bullshit sometimes because they have a troubled relationship with NATO. Okay, so they can be turned, as they call it in police investigations. They can be turned. They can be flipped. And I suspect... That Putin has his eyes on, and he probably already done done it secretly. I believe Putin has his eyes on flipping Turkey. Okay. Let me tell you something. So I just Googled this shit, right? 
Not Google. I just searched it because I don't always use Google. So I just looked up turkey NATO, right? Because I was talking and then Spirit said, look up turkey NATO. It says dated May 27th, 2021. I didn't even know about this shit. I just was feeling it energetically. It says exclusive from Reuters. Turkey pushed NATO allies into softening their outrage over the Belarus plane. There goes Russia's strategic move right there. Oh, don't know. It's not a big deal. Oh, you know Putin didn't. Oh, you know Lukashenko ain't that bad. That's what Turkey's doing. They can be flipped. They're flip-flopper. I've been watching them for years. I pay attention to military and, and news all over the world. They can. I just told you that. So here's what the article says. Again, just dated a couple days ago, three days ago. Turkey pushed NATO allies into watering down an official reaction to the forced landing by Belarus of the passenger plane and the detention of a dissident journalist or an alleged dissident journalist on Sunday. Two diplomats familiar with the matter told Reuters. NATO's 30 allies released a two-paragraph statement on Wednesday condemning this forcing down of the Ryanair flight to arrest journalist Roman Protasevich but did not include any punitive steps that Baltic allies and Poland had pressed for. Poland again is NATO. So is Lithuania. The statement has was also less strident that NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg's public remarks. He called the incidents a state hijacking and was outrageous. Okay, so let me tell you right now. Turkey's motives were not immediately clear, the article says. Demo diplomat said Ankara might be trying to preserve ties with Moscow. Ankara is the leader of Turkey. Okay, it says diplomat said Ankara might be trying to preserve ties with Moscow, Belarus's uh, closest ally, and maintain economic relations with Belarus via Turkish Airlines, which actually has da daily flights to Minsk or Belarus. Another possibility could be Turkey's keenness to welcome Russian tourists this summer after the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. When they asked Turkey's uh, foreign ministry about it, they didn't respond. At least not immediately. It says Turkey's ins insistence on a watered-down text that upset, it upset people. It, it upset a number of their allies. Poland, Lithuania, and Latvia, which had pushed for tougher wording. The dip, dip, the, the, so they were, Turkey's allies, Poland, Lithuania, and Latvia had pushed for a tougher wording on this thing with Belarus grounding this plane. Another diplomat said that Ankara of Turkey that is pushed back on like, nah, 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 pumpy brakes, it ain't that bad, was mainly aimed at using a different wording to that of the European Union, which detailed proposals, proposals excuse me, for sanctions. This included a ban on the overflight of EU airspace by Belarusian airlines, preventing Belarusian airlines from using EU airports and calling on EU airlines to avoid Belarus. Okay, so it's saying, of course, Turkey's not an EU member, though it has been a candidate for many years. It says, quote, many allies were very frustrated with Turkey. It was important for NATO to respond, and it's not clear why Ankara should want to defend the Belarusian president Alexander Lukashenko, end quote, said a European diplomat present at the discussion. Here is your preparation. 
let me tell you another country where uh where Russia has pool before I even look at it. And you can check my footwork and look for yourself. Another country where Russia has pool is Morocco. And Nigeria. Ankara. The last name of this Turkish leader ain't Ankara for no reason, baby. Ankara. Russians are in Nigeria. I just want you to know that. In case you didn't know. Russians are in Nigeria. And you know Nigeria has this oil and all of that stuff. But they said them Russian mercenaries been been raping and pillaging and shit. So I don't know. But you know that's a part of conquering a nation. And strong arming a nation into letting you lead it. Okay. Russia is more soft towards the Middle East or the Arab nations than the West has ever been. That's what's going to be a big problem for the West. Okay. Morocco. So I just Googled it because I didn't have no, you know, written confirmation, but I just kept feeling this. Right. So it says bilateral relations or back and forth relations between Russia and Morocco have traditionally been very, very good since the 18th century. The mutual relations began with the exchange of goods between the empires of Sultan Muhammad bin Abdallah and Empress Catherine II. Okay, it says in the 1890s, so in 1897, the Russian Empire established a consulate in Tangier. And that's what I was hearing, Tangier. So, Morocco and Russia have been discussing the uh, Western Sahara and strengthening their ties there. Now, this is as of March 18, 2021. It says Morocco's ambassador to Moscow met with the Russian foreign ministry to discuss a variety of topics. It says Rabat. Morocco and Russia on Wednesday discussed the Western Sahara issue, among other topics, during the second 2021 meeting at the Kremlin in Moscow. Morocco's ambassador to Russia named Latfi Bouchara, excuse me, or Bouchrara. Again, met with Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs, Mikhail Bogdanov, as they did one month prior. So they're, uh, yeah. They're growing trade relations and commercial ties. Russia has also been a traditional ally of Algeria. They met with Morocco's diplomatic corps for the third time in seven months. They're getting ready, baby. They're getting ready. I'm not even going to go through. Uh, and this is from Morocco World News. Let me tell you something else. Qatar. Russia and Qatar. Russia and Qatar. It says, dated April 1st, 2019. Russia and Qatar, the Middle East's newest pragmatic friendship, according to the Jerusalem Post. Mm. 
It says, while most analyses of the expanding Russian presence in the Middle East focus on the country's role as patron and protector to Bashar al-Assad in Syria, another relationship between Russia and the Persian Gulf Emirate of Qatar is quietly becoming the conduit for a growing slate of trade and investment ties with significant implications for the region and beyond. Breaking with the typical course of Kremlin foreign policy, economic interests are overcoming geopolitical divides to drive Doha, which is the capital of Qatar, and Moscow together. In another inversion of the usual trend, Qatar is setting the pace with its investments in Russia. Mm. It says, as Qatari uh, ambassador to Moscow, Fahad bin Mohammed al-Atiyah put it to the Bloomberg uh, news in an interview earlier this month again this is from 2019 we see russia's economy to be stable and the potential for growth to be huge okay so see but look at how let me tell you look at how the u.s has treated africa and the middle east they got a problem on their motherfucking hands when this shit break out ain't no and they ain't no if when this shit break out baby there will be a new superpower, and it won't be the United States, okay? I just want you to know that. It won't be the United States. I'm telling you ahead of time. Now, I also want to talk about um, some astrology that's coming. I shouldn't mix this in, but I'm going to. Okay, so... What I was just thinking about was I want to know if Alexander the Great was part Russian. Okay. Because I just thought about that and it came up in my mind. Now, you had Alexander I, which was an emperor of Russia in 1801, but I'm talking about Alexander the Great. So, Alexander I of Russia was the emperor of Russia from 1801. He was the first king of Congress Poland from 1815, and he was the Grand Duke of Finland from 1809 to his death. He was the eldest son of Emperor Paul I and Sophie Dorothea of Württemberg. Württemberg. Okay. His predecessor was Paul I, and his successor was Nicholas I. Okay, Tsar Nicholas, yeah. So how did, okay, Alexander the Great, though, not Alexander I. I want to know about Alexander the Great and his ties to Russia because I'm getting this inclination that, so the connection that I'm thinking about here is Alexander the Great was he was alexander of macedonia okay he was the son of philip ii who was king of macedonia macedonia and olympias okay his mother was olympias okay alexander the great was an ancient macedonian ruler and he was one of history's greatest military minds who as king of macedonia and persia established the largest empire the ancient world had ever seen okay so we're gonna see vladimir putin walk in the energy of alexander the great because he's already tied into persia and the reason why i'm saying that is because you know that russia really really supports iran if you don't know that you gotta look that up 
They really support Iran, also known as Porsche, uh, Persia, okay? So this is how that third temple going to come to pass. Russia's going to help it come to pass, okay? Now, when it comes to Armenia and Russia, the significant part of the uh, territory that is currently belonging to Armenia was incorporated into the Russian army, excuse me, the Russian empire pursuant to the 1828 treaty of Turkmenche that was signed between Russia and Persia following the Russo-Persian War that was in 1826 through 1828, okay? Uh, Russia did help mediate the Armenia-Azerbaijan conflict that we had last year. This was a year ago. Armenia and Azerbaijan were off the chain just one year ago. Russia helped to mediate that, okay? Now, it says bilateral relations between modern-day Armenia and the Russian Federation were established on the 3rd of April, 1992, Though Russia has been an important actor in Armenia since actually the early 19th century, so the 1800s. The two countries' historic relationship has its roots in the Russo-Persian Russo -Persian War of 1826-1828 to between the Russian Empire and Qajar Persia, after which Eastern Armenia was ceded to Russia. Okay, so Armenia actually asked Russia for help when Azerbaijan... Uh, when things were getting very, very tense with Azerbaijan. Uh, and there's an article here and it says, uh, Armenia asked, Russian, asked for Russian help amid tensions with Azerbaijan. And this Wednesday, April 7, 2021, file photo, Russian President Vladimir Putin, shown on the right, and Armenian President, excuse me, Armenian Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan, okay, who he looks very, very Indian, okay, because those are the same people, okay. Pose for a photo during their meeting in Moscow, Russia. Armenia has on Friday, May 14, 2021, asked a Russian-dominated security pact of former Soviet nations to look into its tensions with Azerbaijan in the wake of their armed conflict over Nagorno-Karabakh, which I did talk about on my main channel, and I think on this channel, uh, the Starfire Alchemist, and it says, um... Armenia's prime minister said Friday that he has asked Russian President Vladimir Putin for military assistance amid simmering tensions with Azerbaijan in the wake of an armed conflict over the Nagorno-Karabakh region. The tug-of-war between the two South Caucasus neighbors exacerbated this week when Armenia protested that it, what it described as Azerbaijani troops' incursion into its lands. So we remember this, okay? This was just a couple of months ago when they were uh, having a lot of hostilities. So it says, uh, in this, and it, what it really started last summer, it says, it says, Azerbaijan has insisted that its soldiers were deployed to what it considers its territory in areas, areas where the border is yet to be demarcated. Armenian Prime Minister Nikol Pashinyan told lawmakers that he asked Putin in a phone call to provide military assistance to Armenia. Russia hasn't made any immediate comment on Pashinyan's statement. The Kremlin didn't mention the Armenian leader's request in its readout of his call with Putin late Thursday, but noted that the Russian leader emphasized the need to observe a ceasefire and solve all conflicting issues by diplomatic means. Russia has a military base in Armenia, which is a member of the Moscow-dominated Collective Security Treaty Organization. At the same time, the Kremlin has sought to maintain friendly ties with oil-rich Azerbaijan, just like they want to maintain ties with oil-rich Nigeria and oil-rich Persia and oil-rich Iraq. 
More than 6,000 people were killed last fall in the six weeks, and also Saudi, of course, in the six weeks of fighting over Nagorno-Karabakh, which lies within Azerbaijan, but was actually under the control of ethnic Armenian forces that were backed by Armenia since the separatist war there that happened in 1994. That was around the time the Soviet bloc collapsed, not too far after. The hostilities ended with a Russia-brokered peace deal in November 2020, allowing Azerbaijan to reclaim control over large parts of Nagorno-Karabakh and surrounding areas, which Armenia-backed separatists had actually controlled for more than 25 years. So they got their land back. Azerbaijan got their land back from Armenia. Mm. But I got a feeling... So, of course, Moscow has relationships with Azerbaijan, too, but then it helped Armenia. This is a repetition of the conquering of Alexander the Great. You're going to see it play out. Those of you that are history buffs, you can look it up, okay? Now, of course, Alexander the Great tried to enter India, and he failed, okay? He failed in India, but let me tell you why. It's going to be a little bit different strategy this time. Russia's going to be dealing with Pakistan. And the U.S., uh, of course, is very cozy with India. And we know that Pakistan and India don't get along. One is Muslim and one is Hindu. Russia's going to strategically help countries that are going to stick it to the U.S. just like they've been doing. And they're going to spread their empire and are spreading their empire that way. There is underlying contracts with these nations that are giving uh, land rights, military rights, uh, properties, um, you know, weaponry, uh, other benefits. And of course, Macedon, when we talk about Macedonia, that's uh, an old part of Greece, okay? We're talking about Thrace, Macedon, Thessaly, Thessalonica, those areas of Greece, okay? Uh, off on the left side of the Aegean, the Macedon is on the opposite side of the Aegean from the Persian, uh, from Persia, okay, or the former Persian Empire, okay, the former Persian Empire, not current day, the former. So this is going to be a fucking revival because you know how much Russia supports Iran. Now, if you don't know, um, let me let me just read a little bit to you about it, and I'm going to do the astrology in a separate one because I didn't expect this to be this long. But that's how this third temple and these prophecies are going to come to pass because the ducks are already in a row, okay? Iran and Russia have been cozy since fucking 1521. That's a long, that's since Prophet Muhammad's time. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's 14th century. Um... Would that be 14th century or 16th century? Either way, Iran and Russia are strategic allies, y'all. They form an axis in the Caucasus alongside Armenia. Iran and Russia are also military allies in the conflicts in Syria and Iraq. And they have partners in Afghanistan and post-Soviet Central Asia. This is the kings of the East, baby. This is the kings of the East. So the U.S. can underestimate them all they fucking want. Okay? 
They can they can underestimate Russia and them all they fucking want. They can underestimate the kings of the east all they want. He's using Alexander the Great of Macedon's strategy, okay? Uh, I'm telling you that. You may not ever hear it nowhere else, but I'm just telling you that, okay? You'll see it play out. By July 30th, you're going to see some strategic movements and occurrences in the Middle East. That's not coming from any news article. That's coming just straight from the ether. I'm telling you, by July 30th, 2021, you will see strategic movements and escalations, conflicts, and even some deals made in the Middle East, okay? And we're talking all those collective nations. You know, it's a misnomer. Middle East is a misnomer, but it is what it is, okay? So, uh, Russia and Pakistan. You know Pakistan has been a thorn in America's side because of their nuclear shit. And, you know, they've been ramping up a lot. If you haven't paying attention, they've been ramping up a lot of motherfucking artillery and weaponry and uh, jets and all kind of stuff. Now, let me tell you now. One thing that you may not have heard about um, in the mainstream media which is why I watch a lot of different news sites, or I'm served anyway, and I catch what I need to catch. Russia and Pakistan are agreeing to build a gas line, uh, excuse me, a gas pipeline. It says Russia has signed a deal with Pakistan just two days ago to build a major gas pipeline linking the nation's southern port of Karachi, Pakistan, to industrial hubs in the north. This is the biggest deal between Moscow and Islamabad, Pakistan, since the motherfucking 70s. That's why your gas getting high, baby. That's why your gas getting high. And I told you, OPEC about to act a fucking fool. I didn't know about this pipeline because this shit just got signed two days ago. If you look it up, look up Russia and Pakistan pipeline. That was two days ago. And remember, I said a while ago, I said like, what, three weeks ago? I said OPEC, no, two weeks ago. When the gas started to get stupid, I said, I said OPEC about to act a fucking fool. This is why they about to act a fucking fool because of Russia helping pakistan with this pipeline but they're not gonna flex on russia they just gonna they just gonna stick it to the west because russia got a lot of control over opec okay russia has a lot of control russia control over opec so that's the biggest deal since fucking the 70s and you remember i people were saying Oil about to get stupid like in the 70s because they saw people with this pipeline, this colonial pipeline lined up for gas like in the 70s. Mm. It says, Jan so this was January. It said January 5th, oil was near $50 after OPEC and Russia agreed to roll over production cuts. Okay, so that was back in January. That was U.S. oil prices rallying past $50 a barrel. Now, it says Putin has a big financial advantage over Saudi Arabia. Russia relies only on oil revenue for only 37% of its budget, compared with 65% for the kingdom. Okay. Russia and Vladimir Putin are waging an oil war with America. I just found the article. It says CNN Business. It says why Russia and Vladimir Putin are waging an oil war with America dated March 10th, 2020. Vladimir Putin knows America's fragile oil industry is built on a mountain of debt. So when Saudi Arabia called for production cuts, Saudi Arabia might as well call them OPEC because Saudi is OPEC. To mitigate oversupply, Putin decided to pounce. Russia shocked the world last week by blowing up his shaky alliance with OPEC. So OPEC, I told you OPEC was going to act stupid. Here's the proof. I didn't even know about this. Moscow's refusal to join with OPEC, which is a cartel, an oil cartel, uh, what what that song? I just channeled this song. 
Um, <laughs> let me play this right quick, right? Uh, I just, this song just popped up, Jesus. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, shit, what is this? Uh, what is this? Listen to this. Oil money gang. Real niggas. Respect on every block. Put the hazards on the ghosts in front of the wing stop. God damn, bitch. You see the guess in that AP? Hundred rounds are better on any nigga trying to play me. I play with This thing of ours, nigga, double MG. Let's get it. Mastermind. Do you hear this shit in the background? Go listen to All Money Gang. Oh, never mind. That's news playing. I was about to say, I know they ain't playing that shit in the background of that song. This is All Money Gang featuring Jada Kiss. It's a Rick Ross song, okay? This is not the only song I channel. I'm going to let this play, and then I'm going to play the other one I just channeled for what they doing. They going to fuck up the U.S. They going to collapse the U.S. Watch. No further, my nigga. It ain't even being the dope boy, my nigga. We talking all money. All money. All money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's amazing to be alive when niggas want you to die. Mad at every check you deposit. I see it all in their eyes. I'ma stunt harder. I'ma shop more. Black bellboy purchasing rugs at the door. Giving niggas jobs. Living like the mob. A scotch in a soda. Anastasia.com. People talking about me. Say I got a body. Or are they mad at me that the house got a lobby? Big four fifths. Cliff at the boat slip. Tiptoeing through the city. I've been nearly with a brick. Setting new milestones. Getting my style on. Down in Coconut Grove. Where niggas don't smile long. City full of barbarians. What you like in Aquarius? Only beautiful bitches. They tell me the more the merrier. Fascinating faces. Now it's top jewels. Pina colada daiquiri. Fountain blue on a Tuesday. Got the Desert Eagle up in Fred Siegel. Only fat nigga in vintage Moschino. Attempted murder. I refuse to exile. So it's club live till I'm exed out. A gold casket. My final request. Banging at them like my child. They want to molest. Therefore, I pray I live a hundred years. Be a crush for my kids all through they wonder years. All money, fuck up a hundred mil. That's just a yacht in the crib, nigga dying to live. Champagne, spilling the opulence. Stop bitches, remain anonymous. Got a condo on Collins, another on Sunny. I'm making sure that you get around, cause these niggas are done you down. Got my daughter a Fendi purse, then I took her to Disney World. All I give is game, digesting my every word. Time to charter the plane, all money to gain. Classics stay on my feet, double them on my chain. All I think about is all money. These niggas barely getting tour money. Tour money. Be right. It's gonna be alright, don't even worry about nothing. Uh -uh. You know? I'm gonna talk that shit for a minute. Put the Dutch out like the Cuban up. Dim the lights if you want. Cause we already shining. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. 
trying to get a grip, but you just can't clutch it. When the money's in the circle, the squares can't touch it. Reaping the benefits from the years that we suffered. If they don't know nothing else, they know I'm not to be fucked with. I'm chilling on the deck, brainstorming on the check. Okay, so this is Jada kissing here now. This is Putin's energy getting channel. They don't know nothing else. They know I'm not to be fucked with. Okay? You don't see the bigger picture. You just see the silhouette. You don't see the bigger picture. You just see the silhouette. Keep your hold still for a nailer. Money on my mind. While I hold still for the tailor. Three man weave. I dump it off to the trailer. The pack too loud. Dump it off with the sailor. We pop bottles. After shots of tequila. Might see me in something. You can't cop from the dealer. We pop bottles after shots of tequila. Don't forget Russia's relationship with motherfucking Mexico, baby. And Colombia and Venezuela. Venezuela is a huge producer of oil. All right now. I'm going to rang. Gareth Pugh and Bellstaff. Work coming in. I sit on some and sell half. Made it to the top overnight. That's why you fell fast. Best head I got in my life. Four Chanel bag. This is heaven on earth shit. Give me my hell pass. Niggas trying to copy my style, but they don't sell swag. Nah. Vacationing in the Maldives. Room service come to you on a boat. Chow, please. Don't get me confused, though, because I'll squeeze. Niggas know I get huge dough and wild keys. Uh, I will forever cash in. <laughs> Don't get it confused, though, because I'll squeeze. All right. Wild keys. Didn't Lukashenko say, I'm going to flood your streets with drugs, baby? With And I said coke in the middle of this motherfucking audio? Woo, channel music! All your money mean the wealth's everlasting While I hold still for the tailor Three-man weave, I dump it off to the trailer The pack too loud, dump it off with the sailor We pop bottles, after shots of tequila Might see me in something, you can't cop from the dealer Probably go rang, Gareth Pugh and Bellstaff Work coming in, I sit on some and sell half Made it to the top overnight, that's why you fell fast Best head I got in my life, four Chanel bags this is heaven on earth shit, give me my hell pass Niggas trying to copy my style, but they don't sell swag Nah, vacationing in the Maldives Room service come to you on a boat Chow, please, don't get me confused though Cause I'll squeeze Niggas know I get huge dough and wild keys uh, I will forever cash in All your money mean the wealth's everlasting What? All right, now you know, if you don't know, Russia is a major supplier to Europe. You know, that's why Trump, uh, shout out to the old Druid Necromancer. Trump was trying to block that Nord Stream 2 pipeline, you know what I'm saying, because they ain't want Russia to have that kind of power in Europe. Russia already got the motherfucking power in Europe. They already a major supplier of natural gas and fuel to Europe, okay? So... Let me tell you about the other channel that the other song that got channel right quick. Now it's eleven thirty-eight AM. That's eleven eleven. This was posted um eleven years ago, October eighth, two thousand and nine. It's called Arab Money by Buster Rhymes. That's the original song that I channeled, but then Oil Money Gang with Rick Ross and Jada Kiss actually popped up for me. So I knew I had to play that one as well. Now, if y'all aren't used to listening to me on my main channel, I channel songs all the time. One of the songs that I channeled was Trap, Trap, Trap featuring Rick Ross. 
or is Rick Ross song featuring Wale and Young Thug and it tied into the Beirut bombing okay in the Ides of March which tied a Julius Caesar that happened last spring so those videos are on my main channel but this is what happens and I was thinking just now while the music was playing about why the military aspect is coming through so strongly it's because of Memorial Day weekend okay that's why they're that's why I'm channeling this all right but also Ramadan just recently ended. So that's why the Prophet Muhammad energy is coming through. That's why Malcolm X's energy is coming through. He just had his birthday, May 19th. Okay, happy uh, belated birthday to Malcolm X. And so now we got 11.40 a.m. All right, so 1.14. So let's get it. <laughs> dead i got middle east money i got middle east bread okay <laughs> now you know why america be hating them but they always they also got that motherfucking magic baby russia got some old shit up they sleeve money in the desert playing golf oj shorts dashiki with a louis scarf chest cold down in the desert playing golf remember i just talked about how they're making the deserts green again golf courses Make us make wanna call and do buy 20 million on the villa law. And then I step up in the club and then he's up in the The way I make the people want to sing the hook in Arabic. did you hear what he said sitting in casinos while i'm gambling with arafat yasser arafat who was he palestinian baby hezbollah energy Already know I got the streets buzzing while I make it bow down and makes a lot like a Muslim. Now 
I take trips to Baghdad, dummy, where I use that trip to count A-Rab money now. I don't need to get fresh about the grow beard, dope. So much cake, even the money look weird, too. Domestic bread and abroad, I'm trying to eat like Prince Al-Wali, Ben Talal, Al-Saul. They might respect the value of my word for Maui, Malaysia, Iran, and Iraq, Saudi Arabia. Okay, so there's another song. Um, of course, I don't own rights, but the lyrics are coinciding. Um, um, they're co coinciding with what I said. Uh, so my guys wanted me to talk about these elements because um, this is how the temple's gonna come back. You know, people keep saying that Muslims will never allow that. Yes, the fuck they will for the right price, bitch. And you know who I think gonna pay them off? You know who I think gonna pay them off so that the Jews can build that third temple? Russia. I think Russia gonna pay them off. So I'm gonna close out, let this song play, and I'll be back with an astrology forecast for you, okay, on a separate upload. And then I'll go on from there with the other topics that I gotta go over. This is Master Farad Muhammad uh, by Buster Rhymes and Rick Ross. 4.6 million views six months ago. It's 1144, baby. 1144 on the, on the clock. All right. 4.6 million. Okay. November 1, 2020. 11-1-11-11 is the date of this fucking song. At 1144. So. All right. <laughs> Have mercy for the spirit still praying for me Time's on, so forgive me if I smell funny Sleeping in cars, they be real with no hotel money Louis Vuitton, you just get it cause your man want it Pictures and captions, let me know that you would tell something Keep in mind that this album is Extinction Level Event 2, okay? Keep in mind that they filmed this video outside of a mosque Middle school bitches used to call me Bruce Bruce now we stretch Maybachs in the coops too. Like Jews, I'm just trying to pack a deuce deuce. Diplomats, Arabic. Well, I won't say a mosque, Arabic uh, architecture. I'm making my moves. Wrote the richest fucking bitches in my favorite shoes. She thought I had a seizure, told her April Fools. Fuck a lawsuit, bitch, I'm trying to make the news. Master Muhammad's soul silks going door to door. Giving knowledge to the brothers that who wanted more. We a nation of brothers, such a wonderful force. Go straight to the Quran if you wanted the source. I know God so. Go straight to the Quran if you wanted the source. And I started this out reading Hadith. Proud to be coming the boss. Cold world with the flows, keep a nigga warm. We were sleeping on the flows when it used to storm. I just want to get a home for my only mom. This a dream to make her proud of her only son. This a dream to make her proud of her only son. Make her proud of her only son. This a dream to make her proud of her only son. And I'm number one. My brigade, it's about that time. Light sparkle off my jewelry, it's about that shine. Money busts out every pocket, it's about that grind. A schooling dude, especially when a nigga third eye blind. Could give a fuck about what's yours, only concern about mine, nigga. He's still in my
Bipolar's hypnosis is heavy. If blitz could kill, I'd probably die countless deaths already. Gillette razor sharp suited, shooting star like a comet. Swag gave birth to millions like Master Farad Muhammad Boss. Looking relaxed, like I don't want to be bothered. I thank God for the blessings and paths paved as I journey through a jungle of lines so unscathed until I speak in tongues when I visit my aunt's grave and hustle like a genius with strength of a man's slave against people while they singing his praise. Walk with me now. I bless the hood while I keep on banging them harder. Unconditional to love as a daughter's love for a father and dream flying through the clouds on the planes that I charter and documenting moments of time becoming a martyr while I merge corporations expanding a little larger now for the sole purpose my people can all eat the acts of desperate folks occupying up Wall Street, but I'm torn while in the studio giving you all heat, and their ignorance is blessed, busy saying they born straight on their hands and knees, just like they walking on four feet down. Look what they really turning us into, a savage smelling blow, a malfunctioning in the mental, with baggage through the mud that they dragging until they settle. I wrestle up success when I'm sniffing a rose petal, if you violate the truth as your body, you feel a metal. Listen to these words with the power to fuel rockets, just in the same time, it's so perfect for me to drop. It's getting to the point where they're begging the kid to stop it. It's hard to honor such requests when you're bathing in profit. Witness shit I said that's come to pass, now they calling me prophet, Lord. Special how I touch the people when I'm speaking. So precious like a moment of watching a baby sleeping. Infectious like opponents that's always catching a beating. Through journeys that I travel and missions I'll be completing. Put the mic down and leave it with mama for safekeeping. <laughs> shit again, son. So let me tell you what I noticed in this video, right? Uh, there's some deals being made um, between uh, Moors and what we would call Arabs, okay, which are pretty much the same people, just different shades. I'll just say it kind of like that without going too far into it. So this is what I noticed in the video. Deals being made, things being built, etc. Alliances being made. Keep in mind what Russia said to Biden, who people have been criticizing about not keeping up with any of the tangibles he promised the black community, keep in mind what Russia said about, not Russia as a whole, but Vladimir Putin. President Putin said to President Biden about America. Let me share with you the quote. It says, Putin points finger at U.S. after Biden's killer remark. So Biden remarked about him being a so-called killer. Russian President Vladimir So it says, Russian President Vladimir Putin says that U.S. President Joe Biden's remarks about him reflect the United States' own past and their current problems. Moscow. Biden was asked in an interview whether he thought Russian President Vladimir Putin is a killer and, and said, I do. Russia on Wednesday announced is recalling its ambassador in Washington for consultations. Okay, so this was in March. I talked about this, March 18, 2021. So the Russian leader... Pointed. So when Biden, Biden made some remarks during a video call about the residents of uh, Crimea marking the anniversary of its 2014 annexation from Ukraine, and Putin said that they reflected the United States' own troubled past. 
And so the Russian leader pointed at America's past history of slaughtering Native Americans and its history with slavery, arguing that the painful legacy has weighed on the United States. He said, quote, otherwise, where would the Black Lives Matter movement come from? End quote, he said. He added that Russia would still cooperate with the United States where it answers Moscow's in Moscow's interests. Putin's spokesman, Dmitry Peskov, deplored what he called a very bad remark by the U.S. president and that made it clear that, quote, he doesn't want to normalize relations with us. And he said, we will proceed accordingly. Peskov said in a conference call with reporters, knowing that there was nothing like that in history. He wouldn't answer if Russia would go as far as to rupture diplomatic ties with the United States. Konstantin Kosachev, a, a deputy speaker of the Russian parliament's upper house, said that Biden's quote-unquote boorish statement marks a watershed. Quote, such assessments are inadmissible for a statement statesman of his rank, end quote. Kosachev said, quote, such statements are unacceptable under any circumstances. They inevitably lead to a sharp exacerbation of our bilateral ties, end quote. Kosachev warned that Russia's response wouldn't be limited to just recalling the Russian ambassador, quote, if the American side fails to offer explanation and excuse. He wouldn't elaborate on what action other than that the Kremlin might take. Okay, so obviously Russia does not like how black people in Native Americans have been treated. So this also answers the question as to why Russia is going into Africa and helping African nations. I know it may not look like that, right? I know it may not look like that, but you're going to see some shit. Okay. Russia, it says January 28, 2020. Russia exerts a growing influence in Africa, worrying many in the West. The Kremlin is increasing its arms sales, its security packs, and its training programs as the American defense troops, as the American defense secretary weighs withdrawing troops from the continent. All right. So that's in the New York Times. So. You think they're going to give niggas some shit? Might be. They'd be more likely to give you your, rep your reparations than America will. Pardon the vacuum in the back. All right, but they'll be more likely to give you your rep reparations than America will, okay? All righty. All righty. Okay. I will talk with you all very, very soon. Take care.